This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant or expert witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today, I'd like to talk about insurance fraud and the problem that arises when there is an innocent co-insured. When denying a claim for fraud, it is necessary to determine if there are any innocent co-insureds, and if so, whether the innocent co-insured is entitled to any indemnity as a result of the fraudulently caused loss. Usually this arises with regard to the crime of arson and an attempt at creating an arson for the sole purpose of obtaining a profit from an insurer. The question whether arson by one co-insured spouse bars the innocent co-insured spouse from recovering under an insurance policy was one of first impression in Iowa in 1990 when in Vance versus Pekin Insurance Company the Supreme Court noted that courts across the United States have developed three distinct theories of recovery to resolve the question. Several years ago, in fact, one writer critically examined those theories and the rationales for them in, quote, The Problem of the Innocent Co-Insured, Three Theories of Recovery, a uh, 1983 law review article. It is still well-settled law in Iowa that the use of the words, quote, any insured, close quote, is an unambiguous phrase that precludes coverage for all insureds, including an innocent co-insured spouse. If any insured sets fire to a house, all insureds, including the innocent co-insured spouse, are barred from recovering compensation. In Johnson v. Farm Bureau, a 1995 decision, of an Iowa Supreme Court, the court held that any insured resulted in denial of coverage to all insureds under the exclusion for bodily injury. The Iowa Supreme Court, in a case called Vance, went so far as to encourage insurance companies to purge their fire insurance policies of ambiguity by replacing the exclusion language of, quote, the, close quote, insured with, quote, a, close quote, or, quote, any, close quote, or, quote, an, close quote, insured. Insurance companies were slow to follow the recommendation, while many adopted the suggested language. The three theories of coverage and recovery emanated from disagreements whether property or contract law should govern the interpretation of the policy. An innocent co-insured spouse 
may recover depending on whether the co-insured's interest under the policy are joint or severable. To resolve this question of interpretation, some courts have used property law principles. Other courts have used contract principles. So it is not surprising that the courts have reached conflicting results, even though the factual scenario in most cases is remarkably similar. Iowa decided to apply the terms of the contract and ruled against the purported innocent spouse. The Michigan Supreme Court has repeatedly held that a fire insurance policy that purports to deny coverage to an innocent co-insured is void as being contrary to the standard fire insurance policy. In a case called Michigan, in the case in Michigan called Morgan versus Cincinnati Insurance Company in 1981, the Michigan Courts of Appeal explained that the statute did not expressly create a joint obligation of suretyship among the insureds, and that it would be inappropriate to infer such a suretyship. Therefore, the court held that the statutory language, voiding the policy in case of fraud by the insured, must be read to bar only the claim of the insured who committed the fraud, and not that of an innocent co-insured. They also refer to a case called Williams v. Auto Club Group, a 1997 case from the Michigan Court of Appeal. California was one of the last to join the trend in providing coverage to an innocent co-insured, in Watts v. Farmers Insurance Exchange, a 2002 decision of the California Court of Appeal. The court decided that Mr. Watts, a reportedly innocent spouse, was not precluded from obtaining any recovery because of his wife's misdeeds. Farmers initially convinced the trial court to refuse indemnity to Mr. Watts because of the ruling in Erlen Lawler Enterprises versus Fire Insurance Exchange in 1968 decision of the Court of Appeal. Erlen Lawler did not involve jointly held marital property. In Erlen Lawler, property belonging to a closely held corporation was destroyed in a fire, and an officer and shareholder, along with an ex-officer and ex-shareholder, were convicted of arson. The corporation sued the insurer. The trial court entered judgment in favor of the insurer based on the corporation being the alter ego of the two arsonists. On appeal, the corporation pointed out that the shareholder arsonist owned only 50% of the shares, his ex-wife, and the other arsonist's ex-wife owned the other 50%. The two women were officers, and at least one of them took an active, full-time role in the operation of the corporation's business. Neither had any role in the arson. The Watts Court, comparing Erlen Lawler to its facts, reported that since there was no dispositive California law on the issue of whether a corporation could recover from its insurer 
under those circumstances. The appellate court conducted a lengthy review of the law in other jurisdictions and concluded there could be no bright-line rule. From the cases decided in other jurisdictions, the following basic rule may be deduced. Quote, the arsonist's status as an officer, stockholder, employee, or agent of an insured corporation does not necessarily preclude the corporation from recovering upon the policy of insurance. The basic function of the court is to see that no one takes advantage of his own wrong. An analysis must be made in each case to see if the arsonist will benefit by the recovery on the policy either directly or indirectly. And then they send it back to the trial court to determine the appropriate facts. For details, see Rosen versus State Farm General, the California Supreme Court decision uh, in 2003. The construction of insurance contracts has always been governed by the same rules of construction applicable to all contracts. See also Ballantyran versus Safeco, a 1998 decision from Texas, and National Union versus CBI Industrial, another 1995 Texas decision. Although they claim to follow the general rules of construction, Watts and Rosen seem to apply a different rule. All contracts are interpreted equally, except insurance contracts, which are interpreted to favor the insured. An insurer may not rely on an ambiguous interpretation of a policy provision that, if construed as the insurer contends, would deprive the insured of coverage, nor should the insured rely on unambiguous, clear and explicit interpretation if a court determines a public policy reason exists to change the contract terms. When the language of an insurance contract is reasonably susceptible to two constructions, it should be construed in favor of the insured, except where a public policy interferes. In its discussion of the relevant authority, the Erlen Lawler Court summarized its understanding of the rules governing recoverability by an innocent co-insured in other types of situations and relations important to Watts and any insured innocent spouse situation as follows. Mere family relationship of the arsonist, which does not bestow a property right or other financial benefit in the proceeds of an insurance, does not bar recovery. But if the property insured is community property, an innocent wife cannot recover if her husband willfully burned the property. Even a divorce prior to the fire without a division of community property does not alter the rule as to property presumptively community. Even an innocent joint tenant has been denied recovery where the fire is set by the other joint tenant. The court in Erlen Lawler 
cited no California authority for the proposition set forth concerning community property and was stated to be dicta and not controlling. Erlen Lawler involved misfeasance by a corporate officer and shareholder and recovery for damage to corporate property. The statements concerning community property and joint tenancy merely represented a recitation of the recent authority in those areas from other jurisdictions. It also included an understanding of California community property law. In California, any money earned during the pendency of a marriage and any property acquired during the pendency of a marriage are owned by the marital community. Therefore, if the innocent spouse is paid for the loss caused by the crime of the criminal spouse, the criminal spouse automatically owns half of the payment and profits from his or her wrong. The Watts Court, ignoring California community property, concluded that the trend noted at Perlin Lawler has been reversed and currently favors permitting recovery by the innocent short party up to his or her percentage share of the value of the property, unless the policy contains language which clearly excludes this policy. The courts, following what Watts Court called the modern rule, discard this conclusory maxim and turn instead to the language of the policy to determine whether the rights of the insureds are joint or several. Interestingly enough, when the so-called innocent spouse in the Watts case was eventually tried, the fraud by the innocent spouse was established and neither of the Watts spouses recovered anything from their fraudulent claim. They did become famous since their unimportant appellate decision of the California courts, but not in the way they wished. They recovered nothing probably should have been arrested and tried for the crime of arson, but as far as I know, they were not. This video was adapted from my book, Salma on Insurance Claims, Part 110, Second Edition, which is available as a Kindle book and as a paperback from Amazon.com, and you can get details from my website, Zalma.com, by clicking on the Insurance Claims Library, where you will learn about many of my other books as well as this one. Please subscribe to my video channel, my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can learn about future videos and future blog posts. Thank you for your attention.